start. I, I cannot say how honored I am to be here this morning. I've been blessed to be here before. You probably have heard me speak, some of you, and you slept well. I, I saw it in your face. It was awesome. Just so thank you, Pastor Tim and, and Sister Lisa. Is, is Lisa, is Lisa in, the, in the house right now? Not here right yet. I, I want to just say something to her. Our ministry focuses specifically to pastors, their wives, and their children. And one of the things that we always try to do, and that is to honor the wife of the pastor. If you really recognize this, she doesn't even have a name. She's the wife of the pastor, right? But I want to honor her and thank her publicly for the sacrifices that she makes for you. For the kingdom that not even her husband knows about. But she carries the weight of that sacrifice. And so I want to honor her this morning. I want to just let, would you give her a hand? Amen. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And so we honor her. I also want to honor someone else. She's not here today. Uh, You've heard the statement that behind every great man is a shocked (laughs) mother-in-law. There is not not a great man standing in front of you, but I have a wife that is, for me, beyond words. She has been to me the healer of my soul through Jesus. So her name is Luann, spelled L-U-A-N. Isn't it interesting? Ron and Luann are your past, some of your pastors here, and Ron and Luann, with one N, uh, is with you this morning. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and you men, you men that were at the retreat, I, I told them this, I, for a couple of weeks before I I came here, I prayed for them, and there were this small group of men that I had no faces, but I was so joyed to meet them and to share, share Jesus with them, and I thank you, my brothers, those of you that are here, I love you, and you've made this weekend a very, very powerful and impactful weekend for my life, so thank you, my brothers. Thank you. So I, I want to, by the way, the brother or sister who's doing the sound, you'll recognize in a few minutes you want, might want to lower me down because the windows might break in the back. I don't know. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to John, the, the fourth chapter. And as you're turning, I want to pose a question to you. This message the Lord has given me, over the many years of my ministry, I've noticed that God gives me seasonal messages, and I don't mean Christmas season, but a season in the body that there's a word that he wants to give, and when he gives it to me, he opens doors for me to minister that same word many times. And so this is not the first time I'm ministering this particular word. I've shared this message many times already in a at least in a couple of countries, 
El Salvador being the recent one in May. And so the question I want to pose to you this morning is how great is your God? No, did you hear the question? I didn't ask how great is God. I'm asking how great is your God? I... So you brothers that are here uh, from this weekend, you might hear some, new, some of the same things that I shared. It's not because I don't have anything new to say. It's just because it's the word. And the verse that I quoted is, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself mighty. How many believe this morning that God wants to show himself mighty to you? It's one thing to know about God. It's one thing to understand that he's great and he's marvelous. It's another thing to know that God walks with me and orders my steps. His eyes are looking over this community and this church. And he's saying, who will believe me enough that I can show myself mighty to you and through you? Oh, no, I'm not talking about the church here that we gather together on a weekly basis. I'm talking about you, the ecclesia that walks every day wherever God leads you, your job, your home, your your community. And in those scenarios, he wants to show himself mighty. So I I would like for you to turn with me, if you would, to John, the fourth chapter, and I just want to read a few verses to you, and then we'll see where the Lord takes this. So we're going to start with John chapter 4, verse 3. And he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then came he to the city in Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat at the well, and it was about the sixth hour, around noon. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat. Then cometh the woman of Samaria unto him, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you, I'm going to add a little word here, if you only knew the gift of God who is is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. How are you going to give me living water? And he answers to her and says, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him, get this, shall never thirst again. But the water that I give shall in him or her become a well springing up unto eternal life. So let's quickly take a look. Please keep in mind the question that I asked you in the beginning. How big is your God? Jesus was beginning his ministry and all 
automatically was successful. His disciples were baptizing so many so that he had to leave where he was. And then it says that he departed and he had to go to Samaria. Now, I kind of believe that maybe the disciples were going, what is wrong with this man? Why? I know, I know you don't question when God does something. I do, but you all look like you're ready for the rapture this afternoon. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes when God is working in us, questions come up and they're, they're legitimate. But you see, Jesus never does anything without purpose. I must get to Samaria. Why? Because there's going to be a big tent revival? Why? Because thousands are going to come? No, because I have an appointment with one person. Aren't you glad that at one point in, you, in your life, you were that one person that he found? So is, he's tired. Oh boy, that's a whole message. By the way, do you know that your pastors physically get tired and they need rest? I pray this church understands the value of the men and women that he has given you to lead this body and honor them and bless them and protect them and provide for them. That's a side note, no charge. So Jesus sits down by the well and the disciples go off to get some food. You get guys together, man, they're hungry all the time. Could you imagine what Jesus' grocery bill was with these 12? And as they're going, this woman is coming. Now, I, I don't know the road situation, but I kind of believe when they saw her, they did one of these things. And she walks with probably her head down. It's noon. You know, you know this well. Women didn't go to the wells at noon. That's the heat of the day. The women, and they never went alone. They always went in a group. This woman was the outcast of her village. But Jesus wanted to meet her. God help us with a religious spirit that when we look down on people because they don't behave the way we think they should, especially our own brothers and sisters who are frail and weak, we have a judgmental spirit. And she gets there and she's by herself and probably with her head down carrying her vessel to be filled with water. And Jesus sees her and when she gets close enough, he says to her, woman, well, I tell you what, if you said that to a woman today, she'd be offended. What you mean, woman? Woman, give me something to drink. You see, she give, he gives her a request or really maybe a command in those days because they were obligated to do it. And, and her response was this. Why are you talking to me? Jews don't talk to Samaritans. There a, was a prejudice back then. You know how that happened, right? See, the the. the, the Judah as a nation was taken in kept, into captivity and the land was open for people to just fill. 
and people filled it. And then when the Jews came back, they got ticked off that there were people in their space. Does that sound a little familiar today when you listen to the news? See, what was talking back then is happening right now. The same geographical area where there was prejudice then, there's prejudice now. My wife and I have been in Palestine and been to Bethlehem and drove through those areas. I won't go into it, but it is not a good environment. And I'm not blaming the Palestinians, and I'm not blaming the Jews. I'm blaming the flesh because everybody's got something to say about something. And I'm talking about the Christians. You pray for the persecuted church? Pray for the Palestinians who are persecuted against the Jews. And pray for the Jews that are persecuted by the Palestinians. It is a mess. And we see it. 2,000 years later, things haven't changed. So she says, why would you talk to me? And then Jesus, oh, I, I forget how long ago, I, when I read these words, it was just the holy. He says to her, she says, why would you be talking to me? Jesus says, if only you knew who was talking to you. Who's talking to you, baby? That same holy God is talking to you. Every day, every day, throughout the day, he's talking to you. He's calling you. He's speaking. He wants to share intimacy with you. He wants to fellowship with you. You get the drift here, my church. He wants you to be in intimacy with himself. He's constantly wooing and calling you. And you know what we say? Why are you talking to me? Don't ask me to do that. I got my own life. I'm busy. I got my own problems. I, I, I got issues that you don't understand. I got, I got people against me. But if only we knew. See, that's where the question came in, Pastor Tim. How big is your God? Give me something. And then Jesus says to her, Give me something to drink. She says, how are you going to do this? You have no bucket, and the well is deep. What? I don't know if you relate to that, but I do. Every time God says for me to do something that's out of the box, the first thing I go, how are you going to do that? I, you got no bucket, and the well is deep. You see, God is not going to ask you to do things that are possible, church. He won't, because, because they're possible, you can do it. He's going to ask you to do the impossible. He's going to ask you to stretch your faith. He's going to ask you to look unto the hills from whence come. You get what I'm saying, church? He wants you to believe that he's going to do abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. So my question is, how big is your God? Is he big enough to back up what he has to say? Well, we say yes, but when it comes down to doing it, you, are you sure? So I want to do something with you. Some of you, maybe I've shared this many years ago. I was here. I want to do something real quick. May I just move these mic stands for a second? So I'm going to move this here. 
and I'm going to mark off 15 feet. Okay. Right about here. Now, this I didn't get on my own. I was, anybody ever hear of Lou Giglio? You ever hear of him, how, how great is our God? And uh, another DVD I've listened to. So he, he gets into stars and space. So let me, let me, let me say this. In, our sun is huge, isn't it? You ever see when it's like this gigantic ball of fire? Right? They say that between 750,000 and 1.2 million times our earth can fit into our sun. That's kind of like big. <laughs> but he then compares our sun to a star called Canis Majoris. Has anybody ever heard of Canis Majoris? That's Latin for big dog. It's, it was the, the biggest known star. And this is what he says. If you take a circle 15 feet in diameter, picture this, 15 foot diameter, take a Sharpie and make a dot. That dot is our sun and the 15 foot circle is Canis Majoris. That's pretty gigantic. And so why do I share that? Because of this is what the Bible tells us, that one day in time, well, in eternity, actually, God spoke the stars out of his mouth. <laughs> How big is your God? Look, this is what happened, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Canis Majoris goes flying out of God's mouth along with the rest of the universe. And you all know that they can't even count how many galaxies or units. It's just too big. The biggest known star. So, right? Well, I, again, this piece I preached many times. And one day after maybe a year of preaching this, the Holy Spirit says to me, hey, Ron, just a little point of information for you. You got it wrong. When I spoke Canis Majoris out of my mouth, I didn't go, Rawr. I went, <laughs> and oh, by the way, he said, just for your information, get this straight. I do not dwell in my universe. My universe dwells in me. How big is your daddy in heaven? So I'm preaching this in May in El Salvador, and Pastor Gabriel, who works with us, he texts me, and he sends me this link, and it's something about Scooty, and I go, what is that? And you know what it is? He found on the internet, internet that Canis Majoris is no longer big dog. They found five stars bigger than him, or her, <laughs> sorry. I don't want to offend anybody here. <laughs> and guess what? This is how big Scooty is. If you replace our sun with Scooty, its radius of just the mass of its, what it is goes all the way to Jupiter's orbit. Take a look. Go on and find out how big that is. That is 
big. <laughs> now here's the point. That God has allowed you and I to call him daddy. In Hebrew, it's Abba. In Aramaic, it's Abuna. He's allowed us to call him the most intimate daddy that you sit on his lap. Now, some of you don't have memories of a good daddy, and that's true, and I, my heart breaks. But don't let that hinder you from understanding that this God that Cadence Majora is out of his mouth, loves you. He has called you not to just save you, but to in, have intimacy with you. And to call you child and have you sit on his lap and have you rest. They call it chest time, where you just lay your head on the chest of the Almighty. So my question again is, say it. So I want to give you a couple of quick examples of how incredible God is and what he wants to do for us. I shared this at the men's retreat, but I didn't start out with the story. Here's the story behind how God showed this to me. In June of 2013, Luann and I get on a plane. We're on our way to Cairo because we, I was asked to speak at a, um, a big, bigger pastor group meeting. It was a retreat. We get on the plane June 30th of 2013. We land July 2nd, and by the time we land, President Morsi is ousted against out of the office as being president of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but that was not probably the best time for us to be there. The retreat was postponed. We had to leave two days early. The city that we actually drove through Two days before, people were shot in the street. So we left like really early. We got the earliest flight to get out of Dodge. Because of that, I had to change the flights to go to our next country, which was Nigeria. So that means by the time we got to Cairo Airport, we had a 17-hour layover. 14 of those hours, we couldn't get on the checkpoint where you got restaurants, so we sat outside. Not the most fun thing to do. We get into air, we get on, our plane, on the plane, we have to fly to uh, Turkey, Istanbul, and then fly to uh, Lagos of Nigeria, and then drive five hours to Eloran, the city that we were going to spend our next time of ministry. Now, I'm like wiped out. We get there, and Pastor Jacobs invite, welcomes us. Oh, it's good to see you. Hurry, get ready. We're going to church. You know what? He's my whole, I am not saying no to him. But I am so not happy. So we get in the car, five of us, we get to church. It's a Wednesday night. There's 10 people there. Woohoo! And guess who's preaching? Not the pastor, just the deacon. And I don't say that disparagingly. You see, we fail to realize that God has gifted and called all of us to do ministry, every one of us. And whenever the word of God is preached, we better have our ears listening carefully because we might miss a nugget that we'll never get back. So he's preaching about 
the, the king that, that is, has to leave to build up his kingdom, and he leaves 10 servants. You know the talents of the five, three, and one. This is 10. 10 servants, all with the same amount of money, about a year's wages. And he says, invest. He leaves, he comes back, and this guy's teaching on this. And when he gets back, he says, okay, reporting, we know the story right, this 10 I doubled it. I mean, this one became 10. I'm sorry. This one became 10. And the king says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? We know this stuff. And I'm sitting there going, this is good. Oh, you know? Don't, please don't do that to me. I'm fragile this morning. <laughs> Struggle to stay awake. I, I've gone to counseling over that, all right? Don't. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, because because you've been faithful in little things. I'll make you rule over greater things. I'm going to listen to this. And this is the part when I heard it, it was like, I'm going to give you authority over 10 cities. What? So I'm like, now, now I am wide awake. And I go, when we go home, the first thing I'm doing is crashing. So we go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and I devour that portion of Scripture. And I study it. And I get to the word, I'm going to give you authority over ten cities. Listen, we're talking about how big is your God. How big of a vision do you think God wants to give you to win the world for his glorious name? And I went to the word authority, and I, I, I researched it from the Greek. You know how you use Strong's Concordance. And one of the words there, or the phrases, is delegated authority. Again, I say, what? I'm going to give you 10 cities, and I'm going to give you delegated authority. I am going to give you the permission to be a representative of me. I am going to give you influence, delegated influence. And I said this to the men at the retreat, I would rather be a man of influence than a man of power. Power is going to run out. Influ influence is in... Doesn't stop. I didn't know the big word for it, so I had to say it doesn't stop. I'm going to give you influence, and I'm going to give you tense. We can't trust Jesus for our next-door neighbor. And God wants to give us 10 cities. Delegated influence. Now, how do you do that? And, and again, this is what I shared. So, so the children of Israel have the, the, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. You know, nobody was to touch it, right? And so they, they use it as a fetish in this battle. They're not walking with God. They're ungodly at this time in their history. And, and they take it into battle, and they lose the glory of God. Oh, can I give us all a warning? May we guard the glory of God that is in us and not use it as some fetish when we're in trouble, but recognize it and honor it that the king of glory this God that spit Canis Majoris out of his mouth chose to fit himself inside of me. So they lose the Ark of the Covenant. They, the Philistines are rejoicing. Listen to this. We captured the God of Israel. Really? 
No, you didn't. And so they take the Ark of the Covenant and they put it into the temple of Dagon, their God they worshiped. There's no fanfare, there's, no, there's nothing, there's no sound. All is and they're rejoicing. Look, Dagon, look at what we brought you, the God of Israel. It's quitting time. Maybe not five o'clock, I don't know. Five o'clock somewhere, they say. You know what I'm talking about, right? All right. And so they lock the door, they go home, and they come back the next day. They open the door with excitement, and their God was laying flat on the ground. No words, no nothing. It's just, and they said, well, maybe, a, maybe a wind came through and knocked them over. Let's help them up. So they lift him back up. They do their things and they come back. They go home, they come back the next day. This time, the, the, the idol is on the ground with its head, its arms, it's like totally broken into pieces. Why? Because the glory of God, no flesh is going to glory. No God is going to stand in his presence. The God of Israel took over in the temple of Dagon without a word. Delegated influence. You realize that's you? You're that box? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit? He is dwelling in you? You carry the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus who died on the cross. You carry him everywhere you go. You know what the Philistines did? They locked the they took the ark out, they locked the door of Dagon of the temple and never worshiped him again. No protesting, none of this stuff, just a box filled with the glory of May I submit this to you? God wants to give you the kingdom. We shared the verse, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants you to not just be satisfied with this community. He wants to give you Michigan. Oh, there's not a lot of amen. Pastor, thank you for saying amen. Did you hear? Oh, really, Michigan? I think that's kind of big. That well is deep. No, I'm talking to... Who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. God wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to just, not just 10 cities. He wants to give you, what is it, the whole enchilada. He wants to say, look out. The, the horizon is your limitation in me. Wow. You, me. Little old me, I can't. Who am I? I, I'm nobody. Oh, yes, you are somebody. You are the blood-washed child of God Almighty. And it is time we walk in the confidence, not cockiness, but the confidence of the glory of God dwelling in us so tomorrow no this this afternoon after you just get out of here you're going to bring the presence of god everywhere the soles of your feet go you're going to deposit the fragrance of jesus 
But now you're going to be intentional, right? Right? Now you're going to go, oh, I don't know. I'm going over here. I'm getting this one too. Huh? I'm, going to, I'm going to walk in front of the Board of Education of your city and I'm going to stand there just a box and declare that the Temple of Dagon is going to be closed and never worshipped again. I'm going to go to City Hall and just stand there and allow the glory of God to come out of me because I'm just a box, but filled with the glory of God. The, the government is going to become a government of righteousness. Why? Because God is going to show up. My question now is how big is your God? Do you really believe that? Because God says His eyes are running to and fro through the whole earth looking for whoever is willing and ready to say, here am I, send pastor. Isn't that what we say? That's what he gets paid the big bucks for. Not me. Oh, no. You know why? Because he cannot get where you go. Only you can go where you go. <laughs> Boy, that's profound, isn't it? <laughs> and he wants you to recognize you carry his presence. His presence. That his presence, Dagon comes. I'm asking you to think about this and dare to trust that kind of God. Amen. Huh? Yeah. To dare to trust him. Hmm. Okay, I have to catch my breath because I have to go down these stairs and I'm going to fall. I'm going to just close with this. I know this is really spiritual. I was preaching in a church in, in Phoenix a couple weeks ago and I literally fell off the platform because I was so excited. I didn't know there was a big step there. A church in Petaluma, I preached there four times and after I, did, I almost fell off their platform. And then the third service, they put up those orange cones all the way around. <laughs> so I have to, and now I'm like 30 years older than that, so I got to go real slow. Just joking. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, that you will take the word that we have heard from you, mix it with faith, and say to you, here am I. Send me in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you lift up your hands? This message is a commissioning. God has given us a plan and a purpose. And you know what? We've been living as, a, as if it's a dream. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. We'll set ideas and maybe pray about it. That's not faith, is it? Faith is living as if it is, as if it's already here. How many of you know from 8 Mile to 16, from Grosbeck to the lake, that territory belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ? We've claimed it. So let's prepare to bring in the harvest, amen? Let's do that. Let's believe that. Let's live that. 
It's not up to some experience to happen. It's up to us to complete that work, right? The Great Commission wasn't a wish. It's a command. God's going to have it completed. So with your hands lifted up, we're going to close this morning and we're going to say, here am I, send me. Wherever you work, wherever you go, God is sending you to bring the gospel, to bring his presence, to bring the truth of his word. People are hungry and they don't know what they're hungry for. So share with them this love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray right now that you will minister through us there's no more convincing that needs to be done. There's nothing to fear. Father, we will share your love and your grace with everyone we meet. And we have an expectation that we are going to go into the governments, into the schools, into the territories here. And we're going to see a change in the climate over these cities. And we're going to see it, Lord God, soon and quickly. And if you will agree to that, say amen this morning. Amen.